Hi, this is Tom Field, Editorial Director with Information Security Media Group, and I'm talking with Wade Baker. He's the Director of Risk Intelligence with Verizon. Wade, it's a pleasure to sit down and talk with you. I sure appreciate it. Glad to be here. So we have a view of data breaches this week from Verizon. That's a good word Expl- for it. Explain what the view is right. as opposed to the annual Verizon data breach report. Sure. So uh, if you've been following the uh, data breach report over the last several years, you'll know that it's, it's uh, growing in size as we try to collaborate with more organizations. They bring in their caseloads, and we merge all of these things together. Uh, and a report that started out with just Verizon at about 100 cases per year is now 750-plus last year, and it'll be 850-plus this year. Uh, so it's growing, uh, and it's getting bigger. And what we wanted to do was give people a little glimpse of you into the data of what they might be expecting from Verizon's perspective, right? If uh, we, we did 90 confirmed data breaches in 2011, uh, like I mentioned a minute ago, the whole report will cover 855, I believe is the answer. So we're talking Verizon contributed about one-tenth of the full picture. So we're publishing a view into that picture of just our caseload. And and again, it's just because people have asked us this, the longer we get into 2012, uh, the farther back 2011 is. And so, you know, we think we can learn some things from just Verizon's 90 cases, and that's what we've put out there. So it's an appetizer, but the data might not be very appetizing. (laughs) I like that a lot. What are the trends that you're seeing in in this view? Yep. So a lot of the ones that uh, we show some trend graphs in there from from several years ago forward, and you can see these trends uh, as as they're developing. Continued um, uh, proportion, growing proportion of external attacks. Uh, when we first published our data five years ago, uh, that was probably one of the ones that got everybody riled up. We published about an 80-20 split between external attacks and internal, and then it was 80% external, which there's sort of this mantra in security about 80% of all uh, um, security incidents are insiders. Um, and we've really never found anything close to that. So uh, that trend has continued, but this year it's 92% uh, external. So it's even a growing margin over the past several years, and it kind of just keeps doing that. So um, that's one of the trends. I think that sinks if you think about the threats that were top of mind for everyone in 2011, uh, and even 2010 were things like you know your, your nation-state advanced persistent threats, some people call them, um, the hacktivism and all of those things organized criminal groups, depending on what kind of um, business you are, but all of those are external threats, right? And that's not to say insiders don't do anything, but there's just more external people uh, than insiders in your organization. So uh, that's a, a trend. Uh, on the action, threat action side, we talked about threat agents, and we usually do a lot about actions as well and what methods they use. Uh, again, we see a growing uh, sort of dominance of hacking and malware used in combination. Uh, and it really depends on what kind of business you are. We, In the main report, we're going to do some splitting up of, say, smaller organizations versus larger. Uh, and trends are very different depending on, on what you're looking at. But by and large, if you look at the entire data set, hacking in through some way, installing malware to grab uh, credentials or backdoors or all of those kinds of things. I mean, data breaches are very commonly, um, those are both in the 80-90% range. Uh, And some of the other things, social engineering and misuse, and that adds to it, but they're almost uh, support roles, if you want to look at it that way. So it really is everything behind the headlines we read in 2011. Uh, That you will see a lot of those things. And I think that's something interesting. It's it's not so much in, in in this view, because we really wanted to wait until we could show the whole picture. 
Um, but everybody knows about themes like hacktivism, and, and that was a very prominent theme in 2011, and, and it was probably one of the larger changes in just in terms of hacktivism used to be about uh, uh, making people's websites and putting funny messages on them to show that you, haha, got you. Uh, but it got a little bit nastier in 2011 with a data breach being a way to embarrass a company and, and protest against them. So uh, one of the interesting things you'll find, again, not in this particular view, we don't hit it as much, but later on is that we put some numbers behind that. I mean, there was all kinds of discussion and stories and things, but really what proportion of the whole picture does that represent and what kind of damages are we talking about due to that kind of activity is something we study in detail in the, in the main report. Have you started looking at an industry breakdown yet? Um, again, not not in this report. And this is one of those things that's that's uh, just quite frankly difficult to, to decide what to do, right? The, the breach report is already 70, 80 pages as it stands now just to get through all the main stuff. Uh, and if we started breaking it up into all the industries, it would nobody would want to read it anymore. But um, uh, so what we have done is, again, contrast small and large organizations. Occasionally we do say, hey, this seems to affect retail and hospitality type organizations. This is a little more financial and manufacturing. Uh, and we, we show data loss, for instance, according to industries, uh, which industries seem to be losing the most data. Uh, and, and we do contrast those things, not across every single data point, but uh, where there are significant differences, we, we draw those out. Yeah. Are you looking at the toll of some of these breaches in terms of finances <clears throat> reputational loss or any of the other metrics that we look at? Uh, as best we can. So the best measurement that we have of the toll is, is just the amount of data stolen. You know, I know that's not uh, the perfect measure of, of consequences by a long shot, uh, but we can tell how much data was stolen, and I think that's at least an indicator of the overall losses. Um, but then also, we did add an impact section, in, again, in the full report, not in this, in this glimpse. Um, but it's more anecdotal. You know, we, we try to observe what kinds of consequences um, we see. Again, we do mostly investigative response, so we're showing up and we contain the breach, and then we're usually gone at some time after that. And some of those consequences haven't fall, fallen out by the time we leave. Um, but we have tried to view that because probably one of the more commonly asked questions that we get is what, what's, the, what's, what's the, the impact of these things. What can you say from the view the impact is? You know, we had several, uh, by and large, I think people tend to overestimate the, the impact of a data breach. You know, there's all of this uh, fear about, well, if that happens to us, then the business is gone. We might as well close the doors. And I think that's a pretty rare scenario when you look back at the history of, of data breaches. I mean, there's some companies that have had some... Except for DigiNotar. <laughs> well, okay, sure, yes. Um, yeah, and we actually had, I think it was three or four businesses that are no longer operating that we looked at in, in 2011 uh, that had a data breach. So it does happen where doors do close. Uh, we had some organizations that, uh, like for instance, there was a, a smaller e-commerce uh, retail shop that just decided, ah, it's not worth trying to secure our website, we'll just stay the physical, uh, you know, we, clicks are too hard, we'll stick with bricks. Um, and, and so... We, Again, that, that's kind of anecdotal observations, but yeah. if, if we have 850 victims to, to analyze, we might as well try to figure out what, what, what's happening to them down the road from these breaches. Are we seeing any types of breaches go away? <sighs> that is a good question. Um, nothing is just absolutely disappearing. Um, what we do see is some things 
falling down in proportion. Uh, so I mentioned insiders at the at the beginning of this. You know, if you look at the data, it will look like insider misuse is just disappearing, and it's not. It's just getting drowned out is probably a better term because the rise in external incidents are is increasing exponentially. Uh, and some of that has to do with the automation, we call them industrialized attacks, that the, there's these groups that are scripting attacks to just scan the internet looking for very low-hanging fruit. And uh, we publish in the, in the main report this very interesting sidebar, of course I'm biased, I think it's interesting. Um, but it's a sidebar that takes one two-man hacker team, and, and we got the dates of all of their victims and all of their activities over a six-month period of time. And we just take one week, and they worked three days during this week. And they hit nine or ten different countries and 22 different victims. And, and you know, it just shows the, the scope and speed at which some of these things can occur. They had a good um, three days. Yeah, absolutely. Nice three-day work week. Um, but, you know, it, it shows how that kind of activity can sort of drown out some of your, your other types of attacks. And, and I don't want to give the impression that insiders are just not stealing data anymore. They do. Uh, they're harder to catch. That's probably one reason why they're not seen. But, um, but yeah, to make a long answer out of, out of your question, uh, there, there are some things that are de-emphasized in the statistics, but we always try to draw those out a little bit and show what's really going on and why it might be getting buried. Are you taking a look, in the view at least, at some effective security techniques and technologies? Absolutely. So <clears throat> I don't know if uh, you might remember, I think it was in 2009, we did this supplemental report. And right. in that supplemental report, we took the top 15 uh, threat actions. And for each one, we gave a description and we gave some commonalities and all of these things. We gave some indicators and we gave some mitigators, ways to prevent those things from happening. And we kind of revisit that again this time. So we take the top attacks that we saw in 2011. And we tried to give very specific ways that a company might detect that that attack was taking place or had occurred on their networks or in their systems, um, and then ways that they can prevent it from happening. So we, we do try to get a little more prescriptive mm-hmm. uh, in hopes that it'll help, right? Because I mean, we a lot of times we give a broader, more general recommendation, um, and we're really trying to say, hey, there's 10 different ways that you might be able to prevent this from happening. We're not saying you have to do all 10, Take your pick. You know, you're really trying to break this chain of events that mostly comprises a data breach and you know, whatever is your most efficient and effective route to get there, take it. Give me an example of a particular breach that you might offer some prescriptive advice on. Yeah, so uh, we have a, a scenario in the in the methodology section just showing how our, our Varus framework works. It's the way, way we classify breaches. And, um, you know, on average, I think uh, we see about three what we call threat actions involved in, in, a, in a breach, which doesn't mean there's three just very small level steps, but three sort of main phases. Um, but a lot of times, let's just take a scenario where there's a, a phishing email. You know, this one's pretty common, right, in the, in the media. Phishing email, you need to get somebody to click on it, and then that thing is going to install some malware on a desktop, and then the malware on the desktop is going to open up a back door, and then the bad guy is going to come in the back door and do something else, and they're going to scan the internal network, and they're going to move and find a file server that has some intellectual property, and then they're going to take it. So, you know, there's all these little places in there. Uh, and if you s- break that down into those discrete events, you see, well, maybe some training and awareness could help keep that insider from clicking, or we could do something to filter it from ever getting there. Um, that doesn't always work. We had one case where a, a user went into a spam filter and clicked on something that had been marked as spam and started the breach. So 
can't always fix that kind of thing. But uh, And then let's just pretend they click on it. You could also have something that could keep that malware from being installed on the desktop, some type of file integrity monitoring or something that says, nope, that's not allowed to run on this system, sorry. Uh, if it does get installed, then you can, you know, most backdoors beacon out to say, hey, I'm live and listening. Uh, if you could see that outbound traffic, that's another thing that you could detect and possibly put something in place to stop. You could stop the inbound traffic of the attacker coming back in through the back door. The scan of the internal network, if we had better segmentation in our networks and didn't just have these big open flat networks internally, they'd be harder, they'd have a harder time finding those file servers that have the intellectual property. So, you know, it's there, there, you, when you study these things, you, it's hard to point to, well, that's the one reason why this breach occurred. It's usually these series of things, and, and sometimes it's a combination of, of poor security decisions. Sometimes it's our intelligent adversaries. It's often a mixture of both, but it's, it certainly get the sense that there's multiple ways that this thing could be stopped at some point during that. Wait, how can people get hold of this view or learn more about it? So I would check the uh, security blog.verizonbusiness.com, and there's a post right up there at the beginning, and you, there's a, a link there you can download the report. And when do you expect that the full data breach report will come out? It's, uh, I don't think we have an exact date, but it's uh, sooner rather than later. I mean, it'll, it'll be in the springtime here, and uh, uh, it, you'll be hearing about it, I think, before most people expect. Now, we're here at the RSA conference, and yeah. the, the, probably the, the main topic of the whole event is mobile. How much of a concern is mobile to you looking at data breach trends going forward? Yeah, you know, we, we look at this topic every year, and we are not seeing a lot of mobile devices that are involved in data breaches. Uh, we kind of expect it to start edging up, but we're, we're just not seeing it yet. And I think uh, the main threats, the most common threats against mobile devices are loss and physical theft. Uh, and you're not likely to call us to do forensics in, in a case like that. So I think that has something to do with it. Um, but I also think as we begin to use them for more financial transactions and they have more of our data and our mobile device becomes less of a thing just we talk on and maybe get some email uh, to where it's really storing data and being a platform for all the other things that we do, I can't help but think that the attacks are going to start uh, going there as well. Wade, thanks for your time and your insight today. Sure thing. Appreciate, Appreciate it. it.